Man, we're glad you're here this morning. September is an exciting month for me always. First of all, because of encounters. We had our ladies' encounter a couple of weeks ago. We had our men's encounter last weekend. And all these white T-shirts you see are young folks that went to the encounter this weekend. Yeah. Give it up, young men. All right. Oh, wow. What a, what a time they had here this weekend. And last night, uh, I, I, I heard that at the, at the Holy Spirit session, they were just praying each other through to the Holy Ghost. How many of you still believe in the old-fashioned outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God? Amen. Thank the Lord. And there's one thing I want to be sure that we do, and that's pass this on to the next generation. Amen. September is also exciting for me because uh, on the, I, I can't remember whether it's the second or third Saturday in September in 1957, before most of you were born, before most of your parents were born, I got a Bible and went downtown Winston-Salem, North Carolina to Post Office Square. Our post office took a full square block of downtown and uh, stood up on that square right in front of the post office and preached my first sermon from Isaiah chapter 5. I remember it just, uh, just as well as if it had happened yesterday. And... Uh, Praise God. But I want to tell you something. I'm as excited about preaching the Word of God this morning as I was 61 years ago. So uh, are you ready to receive the Word? Pray. Amen. Give Him praise. Pray this prayer with me right there where you're seated. Dear Heavenly Father, I open my heart to you. Send your Holy Spirit now and let the Word of God come alive in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. I want to talk to you about something the Lord's been dealing with me about now for, for several months, actually. And uh, I'm, I'm probably not going to be able to get it into one sermon. In fact, it may turn into a series of messages. I haven't really planned it that way. But uh, I, I want to I get into it today. The title of my message may shock you a little bit. But uh, I think you'll see where we're going with this before the end of the message. The title of my message is, When Praying is Not Enough. When Praying is Not Enough. Now, now let me say this before I start. I believe in prayer. So don't, don't, don't misunderstand where I'm going with this. I believe in prayer. I'm a firm believer in prayer. I've been blessed in my life to be around people who know how to pray. I have a heritage of prayer. I can remember as a boy, one of my earliest memories of my mom is hearing her pray from her little place where she hid away and prayed and cried out to God. I can hear her voice in my mind today praying. My dad was a man of prayer. You didn't leave the house in the morning. It didn't matter who came or what the deal was. You didn't leave without prayer. And uh, you didn't go to bed without prayer. We, we believed in prayer. Um, I was saved under my uncle's ministry. He was preaching revival at our church. Um, and uh, I, it, it was on June the 18th, 1957, 
when uh, he preached the sermon that got a hold of my heart, I got saved at the front seat of our little church in North Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and uh, um, just was so close to him always. He was a hero of mine. He died in his 90s. Um, the Lord just used him in a powerful way, but he was a man of prayer. And I stayed with them a lot. In fact, uh, one year when I was in actually the seventh grade, I spent that year living with them uh, and going to school. My folks would bring me home on the weekend, then I'd go back. We were having some um, real difficulties in our city and in our school system. And so for that year, they wanted to, to get in. My uncle let me live, live with him. And I can remember my Uncle John, my Aunt Darley. Boy, they were praying people, praying people. My goodness alive. My Aunt Darley could pray the hole through the sky, buddy. When she went to prayer, things started happening. So I have a heritage of prayer, and I thank God for that, and I believe in prayer. However, there are times in the Scripture when prayer is mentioned alone, but there are other times when prayer is coupled with other things. And there are other things that are necessary sometimes with prayer for prayer to be effective. Let me ask you this. How many of you would like for your prayers to be effective? You'd like an answer to your prayer. Okay, about um, about half of you. Uh, <clears throat> rest of you, um, <laughs> punch your neighbor and say, "Are you awake?" Are you? <laughs> I'm just I'm just messing with you. I know. How, how many? You you want your prayers to be heard and answered? You there? There you go. There's a hundred percent of us today. We want we want our prayers to be effective. Well, there's there are times. When, when we're called upon to pray, but there's also some times when we're called upon to say. And uh, I'm going to look at that beginning this morning. Let me give you my text. I'm going to give you from my text an illustration. I won't dwell on this. This is not my entire message, but I, I want to kind of springboard off of it. I want to give you an illustration from the Scripture, from the lips of Jesus, when he talks about prayer, but he says there's some other things that needs to be added to, prayer's not enough by itself. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. That's my text. Look at it on the screen. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those that hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Wow. First point of my message is from this scripture, from the Sermon on the Mount, and that is uh, when, when you're dealing with your enemies, what do you need to add to your prayer? And Jesus gives us four things here. He says, love, bless, do good, and pray. Four things you ought to do when you're dealing with your enemies. Love them, pray, uh, bless them, do good to them, and pray for them. Say those four things with me. Love, bless, do good, pray. Now, this, this verse of Scripture comes from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was preaching. In fact, Sermon on the Mount covers three chapters in Matthew, chapter 5, 6, and 7. Powerful sermon, longest recorded sermon we have of Jesus when he was here on this earth. Wonderful, wonderful sermon. And in this sermon, he starts dealing with, our, with enemies. And let me give you the backdrop of it. We'll have to back up for a verse because Jesus was preaching to them uh, a, a common um, saying 
that was in their culture at that time. Thankfully, that's not a part of, of, of us today, but it was in that Jewish custom uh, culture. Back up to verse 43, and here's, here's what Jesus said to them. You've heard it said that you can love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That was, that was common in that day. These were, by the way, these were Jewish religious folks that bought into that. Long as you love your neighbor, do good to your family, take care of those who treat you right, but it's okay to hate your, hate your enemy. But Jesus said, no, 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 let me paraphrase here. No, but I say to you, love, bless, do good, and pray <laughs> for your enemies. Four things you need to do. Uh, in other words, it's not going to do you any good to pray for your enemies if your heart is filled with hate. Just not going to do you any good. God's not going to hear that. In fact, they should have known what the psalmist said in Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I want to I be sure that you understand today, folks. I, I know there's some people that are overdoing this. I, I, I don't want to be misunderstood here. I love the message of grace and I believe in it. It is a biblical doctrine that's one that the church needs to know and hear and, and walk in and realize. But at the same time... There are some people who want to take it to an extreme that the Bible doesn't substantiate and they get the idea that you can just live any way you want to, do anything you want to, and God's going to let you slide right on in. My daddy used to call that greasy grace. <laughs> Jesus said, no, 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 no. It, it, it's not. I'm, Jesus said, I'm coming with a teaching here that's counterculture. He said, it's not going to do you any good to pray here about your situation with an enemy if you're expecting God to hear you and God to help you if you're going to pray from a heart that's filled with hate. So you're going to have to deal with, you're going to have to get the love of God in you. Now, uh, now understand, to do all these things to your enemy, you, you, you have to have a change of heart. And that's what Jesus came to do for us, give us a change of heart. But with his help, you can love your enemy. With his help, you can bless those who curse you. With his help, you can do good to those who despitefully use you and say all manner of evil against you falsely, and you can pray for your enemy. And Jesus said you need to couple these things together. So that, that's kind of an illustration of where I'm going with this. Second thing I want to do, second point of my message today, I want to take you to the model prayer that Jesus gave us. And it's in this Sermon on the Mount as well. It's in chapter 6. Starts at verse 9 and goes through 13. And all of you probably could say what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and etc. Uh, but I, I want to go back and read the beginning of it because Jesus puts this model prayer right in the middle of some really good teaching that if we're not careful, we will overlook and miss the value of it. So begin with the first verse of chapter 6. And I'm going to read all these, thir uh, in fact, I'm going to read 15 verses here. So follow with me. And I want you to watch on the screen. I want you to watch carefully because I have some things underlined that are so important. It, the, the Lord's Prayer is kind of like the meat in the sandwich here. 
And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, first of all, look at the, the top piece of bread, then we'll look at the meat, and then we'll look at the bottom piece of bread. Think of it that way as I read this. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, Jesus said, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Notice I have the word reward. I want you to watch that all the way through this first part here. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing that your charitable deed may be seen in secret. in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. See what Jesus is saying here? Now, here again, they had a custom in that day that we don't have today, and thank God for it. I'm, I don't know where that one died, but I'm glad it died. But, that, but, but some of the, the real religious folks in that day, they would actually hire a little band to go along with them if they were going to go to church on the Sabbath day and give a big offering. They wanted to make sure that everybody saw what they gave. And so, can you imagine how weird it would look if, if, uh, if when we're dismissing the service and we're getting ready to, to give our offering at the door, it, you heard the, it, some trumpets and some trombones coming in and, and, and some dude walks in and, and, and everybody kind of backs out of the way so you could see what they put in the offering. Now, Jesus said, the problem with that is they've already got their reward. That's it. They got it. And he said, don't, don't, don't be like that. Just remember this. You don't have to let anybody know what you're doing when you're blessing other people. Because your heavenly father sees everything that goes on in secret. Aren't you glad about that? God sees everything that goes on. And he has pledged himself and committed himself not to allow one thing that you do for his glory to escape his attention. Jesus even said, if you don't do anything but give a cup of cold water in my name, I'll see that you get your reward. Okay? Let's go forward. Now, you may say, well, preacher, what in the world has that got to do with prayer? I'll show you right here. The next verse starts off, and, that's a conjunction, that's tying it together. So this is where he, tie, he talks about our charitable giving, and he said, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret, there it is again, will reward you how? Openly. You'll have your reward. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, therefore, because of this, because of what I just told you. Do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you need before you ask him. So in this manner, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Isn't that a wonderful prayer? Isn't that a wonderful prayer? But do you see what Jesus attaches to that first? He said, he started, started off by saying, you're, you're giving, you're giving. And, and he said, your praying's just like that. And, 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 and then he says, amen. And we think that's the end of it. But look at the next verse. The next verse starts with the word for. We've got another connector word. In other words, this is not the end of what he's trying to teach us about the Lord's prayer, the model prayer. If we just take verses uh, 9 through 13 and we don't look at what's above it and below it, we're going to miss what he's trying to teach us with the Lord's Prayer. For, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Wow. So what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, even in this model prayer, for this prayer to be successful. By the way, how many of you want the Lord's prayer to be successful in your life when you pray it? Boy, let me tell you, there's some stuff in there I want God to do for me. I can tell you right now. I, I, I want God to, uh, I want his kingdom to come uh, on this earth just like it is in heaven. I want God to see that my daily bread is met, that I have food on the table. I, I, I want my father to do that for me. I, I want him to forgive my debts as I forgive my debtors. I want him to, uh, to be sure and, and not lead me into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. All of those things I want. But Jesus said, if you're going to pray this prayer with success, in other words, if you're going to get an answer, your prayer is going to be rewarded. There's three things here that you got to do. And it's tied with what's before it and what's after it. Number one, you got to pray for the right purpose. The right purpose. He said, if you're given to be seen of men, you got your reward as soon as they see you. If you're praying to be heard by everybody else, as soon as they hear you, you got your reward. So this prayer is not going to succeed in your, your life and my life unless I am praying for the right purpose. And what is the right purpose? It's for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. We got to pray for the right purpose. Second thing, second thing, we got to pray to the right person, the right person. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that are praying to false gods. Did you know that? And I, I hear some people saying every once in a while, what's the difference in the God of this religion and the God of that religion? Let me tell you, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, and his name is Christ Jesus. And there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, John 14 and 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and the, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. His name is Jesus, folks. His name is Jesus. Say his name. Jesus. Jesus, glory to God. Give him praise. He's worthy. Thank the Lord. We, we got to pray to the right person. And thirdly, we've got to pray from the right position. Jesus said, 
If you're praying with unforgiveness in your heart, that prayer's vain. I'm sorry, folks. It's in here twice. It's in the Lord's prayer itself. Right after he says, your kingdom come, your will be done, and tells us to, to pray for him to give us our daily bread, he stops right there and inserts this. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us or our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In other words, God's saying that I'm going to use your standard. Pastor Reagan preached on this last Sunday. I'm going to use your standard of forgiveness to determine how I forgive. And then he reiterates it at the end of the prayer, for if you forgive men their trespasses, then your father will forgive you also. But if you're not willing to forgive, don't expect to be forgiven. All hinges on our willingness. I've been asked, why is God so dogmatic on this thing of forgiveness? Let me tell you something. Our Heavenly Father gave His only begotten Son, and He watched His only begotten Son go through the agonies of Calvary so that He could forgive us for everything. And He's not about to turn around after His Son suffered all the agonies of Calvary, and He forgives us for everything and allow us to turn around and hold unforgiveness against other people. So you might as well deal with that this morning, folks. This is, this is not an option. This is a command. This is a necessity. If you're going to get anywhere with God, you're going to have to get forgiveness and give forgiveness. You got to get rid of strife. You got to get hit rid of envy. You got to get rid of hatred. You got to get rid of jealousy. You got to get rid of all that stuff. It, it's a destructive force. And God said, I'm forgiving you for everything. Praise God. Doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, what's in your background, God's willing to forgive you. Now, he said, now you go forgive others. That's, that's a requirement here. Now, third and final point. I want to I deal with what do you do when you're confronting circumstances? I'm talking about difficult circumstances. Circumstances that... that you just, you, you, you don't know what to do with them. You've gone as far as you know how, how to, how, where to go. You've, you've done everything that you know to do, and you just can't seem to, to get an answer. I'm going to take you to Matthew 21, and it's repeated in Mark 11, and we'll deal with both, both uh, passages here. First of all, from Matthew 21, 18 to 22. Now, in the morning, as he was returned, as he returned to the city, he was hungry, speaking of Jesus. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. And immediately the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled saying, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? So Jesus answered and said unto them, assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith, I've got some things underlined here, I hope. If you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to this fig tree, 
But if you say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. In other words, prayer is not enough by itself. Jesus is talking about circumstances here. And he uses, to illustrate this, he, he uses the, uh, well, first of all, they're, they're amazed at what happened to the fig tree. And Jesus said, you think that's something? Let me tell you, you, you can do better than that. You can tell that mountain to get out of your way. Now, that mountain represents your situation or circumstance that seems too big for you to do anything about. Now, he's not talking about a literal mountain here. If, if, if we could do that, I mean, uh, all this fuss about Stone Mountain, I'd just go up there and speak to it and move it over to my backyard and I'd take care of that. He's not talking about making the mountains jump around. He, he's saying that mountain in your life, that, that insurmountable situation in front of you that you don't know what to do with, I'll give you a formula here. Praying is good, but praying alone will not move the mountain. Here's what you got to put with it. First of all, you got to have faith. You got to have faith when you pray. Faith is valuable. Faith is important. Faith is necessary. The apostle James said, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I'm sorry, that's in Hebrews chapter 11. He said, he said you, you've got to believe. If you don't believe, in fact, it was James that says, if you're ask, asking and, and you're wavering, because Jesus said not only do you believe, but doubt not in your heart. That phrase there says, and do not doubt in your heart, that, that says do not waver in your faith. In other words, don't be up and down. James said, back to the apostle James, he said, he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea tossed to and fro. Let not that man think that he will receive anything of the Lord. If you're just asking... You know, a lot of, we, we kind of develop our own jargon in Christian, Christianity. Some, some people refer to it as Christianese. And I hear people saying all the time, I'm believing for such and such. And when you really nail them down and start talking to them about it, they're not really believing for it. They're just kind of wishing for it. There's two different things. Now, faith is absolutely necessary. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's rewarded to them that diligently him. You say, well, preacher, where do I get faith? First of all, first of all, God has dealt to every one of us a measure of faith. There's a God kind of faith. Let me go over to Mark deals with this same situation. Look how he puts it in Mark 11, 22 and 23. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. In the original, that literally says, have the faith of God. In other words, use the faith that God gave you. Because listen, folks, inside of all of us, God gave us a measure of faith. So when it says, have the faith of God, it is, it is the God kind of faith. 
In fact, I think it's Young's translation that says it's the God faith that's in you. Use that faith. Use that faith. You ought to be building that faith up. You can add to your faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The more you get into the Word of God and let the Word of God get in you, the, the stronger your faith will become. But you use the God kind of faith. You got to use. And do not doubt. That, word, that do not doubt there means waver. Don't, don't, don't be wishy-washy about it. I, I believe God will do this. I, maybe God will do that. And no, no, no. That, that won't work. And then he says, look, look at 11, 22, and 23. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, the quote, faith movement gets a lot of criticism for this particular passage of Scripture here. And some people try to say that they overuse that and that, uh, that they teach that you can have whatsoever you say. And... Uh, that's both true and false. If, if you take that just on the surface that you can have whatever you say, that's not a true statement. But if you ask in faith and do not doubt, you can speak to your circumstance and it will have to change. It'll have to change because you said so I told you earlier in this message there's a time to pray and there's also a time to say you, you, you say preacher what no what, what in the world's all, all of this about what, actually your salvation is depending on this formula look at Romans 10 8 to 10 he talks about believing and confessing let's just look at verses uh, well 8 to 10 here I believe it is but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation do you see the connection here there comes a time when you got to say something there there, there, there comes a time when you got to you got to stop begging God and start believing and, and let me let me just tell you and I, I'll have to do this in another message but when you ask God for something you need a basis for what you're asking and and this is the basis here you find it in the word when you find it in the word you you got to have something you, you can't just you know if, if if you could just if you could just speak it out you know um i, I could uh, you know i i could i could have i'm getting close to retirement i could I could just say, I believe I'm going to ask, Lord, I'd like to have a, 
I'd like to have the biggest yacht in the world. I believe I'm going to get me a yacht. I just spoke and said, I'm going to have the biggest yacht in the world. Now, there's several problems with that. First of all, I don't have anything in the Word to base that on. Although I don't believe that God would be against me necessarily having a yacht. But the fact is, I'm wavering inside because I believe God can. But do I believe God's going to give me a yacht? I have to tell you, I'd, I'd be wavering there. I don't really, I don't really believe that. I don't really believe that God's going to give me a If we're not careful, we will lie in a pretense of stating faith. No, 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 no. You, you, got to, you got to have something to base what you say on. And when you do, then you can speak it in faith. I've shared with you many times when my younger son was 14, he was diagnosed with an incurable terminal liver disease. And my wife went into prayer, and I mean, nothing in this world interested her until she prayed that thing through. And God gave her a verse of Scripture one morning from Isaiah that says, And all of your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. She had something to base it on. She grabbed hold of that. She said, God gave me this verse. The Holy Spirit connected that to my heart this morning. I know God gave it to me. She wrote it down. She marked it in her Bible. She dated it. She said, this is what God gave me. This is God's answer to my prayers. My son will live. He'll not die. She had something to base it on. Once she got a hold of that, there was no wavering inside. You couldn't get her off of that with a bulldozer. I mean, she believed that with all of her heart. Jesus said, if you, if you will believe in your heart, <laughs> you can say to that mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And it shall, it, 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 it's just going to have to happen. But, <laughs> but what have you got to believe? This is a trick question. Can, can you put that Mark 11 back up on the screen? I, I, w I want us to look at that. Mark 11, 22 and 23. If you can back up there and get that on the screen, I, I want to I dwell on that for just a minute. There you go. Here it is. <laughs> for assuredly I say unto you that whosoever says to this mountain, be thou removed, be, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things... He says, will come to, what do you got to believe? You got to believe what you say. Now, it's hard to believe what you say if you're not lying. Come on, lighten up, smile. I'm telling you the truth and you know it. <laughs> if, if you're in a habit of lying, if you tell stuff that's not true, it's hard for you to even believe what you say. But now how are you going to believe what you say? You've got to get something to build it on, base it on, believe in the Word of God. You get a hold of that, you can say to your circumstance. There's some of you this morning, you're, you're just about that far away from achieving a miracle for your health. You know, the Bible says, 
He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. You know that in the word. You know God's able to heal you. But you got just a little bit of wavering inside. You haven't yet got to that point where you can brace yourself and speak to your body. Glory to God. And believe what you say when you say it. And tell your body in the name of Jesus, the mighty, strong, powerful name of Jesus' body, line up to the Word of God. Oh, hallelujah. Line up to the Word of God. Line up to the Word of God. Speak to it. I told you about a guy, and I, I, the number's way up there, and I can't remember exactly what it, what it is, but there was a certain scripture that he quoted for his healing something like 1,789 times. And somebody asked him, said, why in the world did you quote it 1,789 times? He said, because 1,788 wasn't enough. That one more time he said it, it struck with his heart and he believed it with everything that was in it and he spoke it out and it came to pass. I'm here to tell you this morning, there's some of you that what you need to do, you, you're praying about situations and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed. And Jesus said, don't be like hypocrites that think they'll be heard for their vain repetition. Vain repetitions when you're just saying it over and over, over and over and over and over again. I'm not telling you to quit praying, but I'm just telling you there's some things you need to stop praying about and start saying about. You need to start speaking the word of God to it. Those wayward children, you need to start declaring the word of God to those children. You need to get a hold of the word of God and tell them to come home. Glory to God. Some of you need to get the word of God and proclaim it to your job and to your family and to your home and to your neighbors and, and to your physical body and to your finances and, and whatever that circumstance is that's got you blocked off. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. Just this week, I was, I'd gone to pray for somebody. And I tried my best to get them to believe what the Word of God said. And they, and they, and they just told me, they said, Preacher, I, all I'm praying is for God's will to be done. I'm just, and, and they refused to take the scripture that dealt with their situation and declare it as the will of God. They're just, they said, no, 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 preacher, I just, whatever God wants to do here, whatever God wants to do, whatever God, I'm just leaving it to God. I'm just leaving it to God. Well, that's the only thing I could agree with him on because he wouldn't agree with me on anything any further than that. So I just, I prayed with him and I prayed, God, whatever your will, just your, your will be done here. Uh, this is his will. He gave us his will. It's right here. We call it a testament. That's what a testament is. It's a legal term for a will. This is his will. We know what Jesus came to show us the will of the Father. Glory to God. Jesus just constantly spoke to things. You ever think about that? I was, re I was reading the first part of Mark the other day, and 
Jesus went home with Simon Peter one day, him and uh, the other disciples that kind of gathered together with him at that point early in his ministry. And the Bible said that Simon Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a fever. Did you know that Jesus didn't even pray for her? Did you know that? He didn't pray for her. You know what he did? He spoke to that fever. Well, I got to thinking, can a fever hear? <laughs> well, read the rest of it and you'll find out. The fever left her. And she got up and prepared a meal for Jesus and his disciples. How many of you ladies know you got to feel pretty good if you prepare a meal for 12 people? 13 counting Jesus. And then whoever else was there, 14, 15, that's a pretty big meal right there. Je and all Jesus did was speak to that fever. The man with the withered hand, Jesus didn't pray for him. He said, stretch forth your hand. He spoke to it. There's a time to pray and there's a time to say. There, there's a time to start begging and start believing. Glory to God. Glory to God. Stand to your feet, please. If you don't, I'll preach about two or three hours here today. This Man, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm loaded up with this stuff. Glory to God. I know what God wants to do. I, I, I know God wants to send revival to this house where there will be miracles and signs and wonders and healing and deliverance and Holy Spirit baptisms. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, there's times, and, and again, please understand, I told you at the beginning, I really believe in prayer. If anything, we ought to do more of it. I'm not encouraging you to do less praying. But there's a right time to pray and a wrong time to pray. Let's say I'm sitting in my house in my recliner. And I'm watching the television, getting the news, the fake news, and the real news, and the whatever kind of news it is. I can hardly tell the difference anymore. But I, I'm, I'm just sitting there watching it. And a guy comes busting in my front door, and he decides he's going to rob me. And I say, wait a minute, wait a minute. <clears throat> I've been intending to exercise. If you don't mind, let me go in my room a few minutes. I'm going to lift my barbells. And I go in there and start, start doing some curls. I'm going to get my arms strong enough so I can handle this big old dude. No. It's, it's too, you, you should have exercised a long time ago. And there's some times when we run into circumstances in life, you better head behind you. Amen. Be prayed up. There's a time to say. I heard about this lady. In fact, gave her testimony. She was in her shower, taking a shower. And a pervert had broken into her house. He'd been watching her and know kind of her pattern. And he came into her bathroom where she was taking a shower. And when she turned around and saw him, he was beginning to undress. He had some ungodly things in his mind that he was going to do to this woman. 
And she whirled around as she reached and grabbed for a towel to cover herself, pointed her finger in his face and said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to get your clothes back on. She kept speaking the name of Jesus and speaking the word of God. She backed him out of the bathroom. She backed him up the hallway. She backed him out the front door. And she called the police and they picked him up in just a few minutes right there in the neighborhood. Amen. What if she just said, excuse me, wait a minute. I got to get to my altar. I got to find a place to pray. No, 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 no. It wasn't time to pray. It's time to speak the word. It's time to speak the word. Some of you this morning, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to demean or belittle the importance of prayer in the least. But I'm telling you, some of you prayed enough about some things. You need to start speaking some things. It's time for you to say instead of pray. It's time for you to say what this says. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you if you've got a need today you've been praying about, you've got a circumstance, a situation you need victory over, I want you to just come forward all over the building. If you're unsaved, come with these folks. Come on, just get in the, get in the line right now because we're going to say some things before we leave here. And you can come this morning and open your heart, repent of your sins, and confess Jesus as your Lord and be saved. If you're away from God, come on with these. Some of you need to speak to your body. You need to speak to some things and tell it to line up with the Word of God. Some of you need to speak to your finances. Some of you need to speak to some family situations. Just come on, wherever you are. If, you, if you're dealing with a circumstance or situation that you need to see a change, it's time you wrestle with this thing and struggle with this thing. And it's, it's glory to God. Boy, I, I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. If you believe in your heart and doubt not, you can speak to your mountain this morning and command it to go. Command it to move. You can cast it into the sea. Glory to God. Here's what I want you to do. First of all, I want you to pray, and I want you to ask God for whatever that is you need. And I want you to be quick about it. I want you to give your petition to the Lord. Ask him whatever that is you want him to do. And then after you've asked him, I want you to start confessing. Lord, I believe what your word says. I believe in you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm going to speak to my mountain this morning, and I'm going to command it to go. I'm going to command it to move. Then I want you to speak it out, speak it out, speak it out. Speak to your mountain. Tell it to move. Some of you need to call some kids home. Call them to the Lord. Some, some, I, don't, I don't know what all the needs are, but, but whatever they are. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes. Go ahead and pray right now. Just go ahead and pray all over the building. All over the building. You out there can do it as well if you didn't come forward. Let's pray right now. Just bow your head and pray. Ask God for whatever you need today. And then as soon as you've asked him, I want you to begin to speak it out.
In the name of Jesus, I have the money I need. In the name of Jesus, I have the automobile I need. In the name of Jesus, I have the house I need. In the name of Jesus, I have health. In the name of Jesus, I have strength. Speak it out. Speak it out in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. 